Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM, 87.6, 87.8 or 88, right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You're with the Double L team, Lyle and... Lawson. Lawson. How are you this morning? Oh, I'm so great. We are. We had our annual general meeting at AGM last night for oh, our uni just club. Sounds like so amazing. Oh, it was I'm so gutted. I didn't. I, I missed it. You should have showed a- up. AGMs are my favourite things in the world to go to. You know, sit there and talk about the constitution. Yep. Just go through all the bylaws. Uh huh. All the little itty bitty details. That's what we just, did. Just love it. And it's then. My f- it's, it's, it's like, like the, the best. If dude. you ever get a chance to go to an AGM, you should go to an AGM. <laughs> yeah, you heard it here <laughs> first. Um, no, it's really good. And we also talked about, you know, the plans that we have for next year. This is uh, for our um, club at uni that functions as a church as well. And so we talked about what we're doing next year. Um, how we're going to, you know, because the rules are kind of changing on campus with a few different things and we're under a different studio student association now. And so, yeah, we just kind of got that all out of the way. What preceded that, though, was a five-hour meeting, six-hour meeting that we had on Sunday that I had to be a part of because I'm one of the leaders that where we had to do all that changing of the bylaws and rewriting of the constitution ooh, and all that ooh, stuff. But I'd, um, rather, I'd, I'd actually rather poke myself in the eye with a screwdriver. <laughs> Well, it was actually a blessing, and it was really, really good. So, yeah. What are no, you grateful for? Like? I'm grateful I didn't have to go to your meeting. <laughs> <laughs> now, a planning meeting where you get together and plan evangelism for the year, yeah, I'm there. Yeah, all right. All day long. Mm-hmm. Um, digging into the fine details of bylaws, not so much. Some people live for that. Mm. Well, Some people actually love it. There's not much that we can actually change because a lot of them are prescribed by the Student Association. Yes. But in terms of our objectives and aims and, you know, just how they function within the Constitution, yeah, we had to do a lot of thinking and rewriting and from ah. the stuff we had before. So That's awesome. That's amazing. That's cool. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. As we get into our breakfast show, I should say that um, also coming up in today's news, I'm going to be talking about a cannonball. Oh. Yeah. I, I like cannonballs. They're cool. Because you, you want to shoot people? This is, a new, this is a new cannonball. Oh, a new it's cannonball. Brand, brand new cannonball. Okay. Yes, very high velocity. <laughs> You're going to have to stay tuned if you want to hear about it. It's rather large. Uh-huh. Wow. All right. Well, then. Made out of iron. Like <laughs> cannonballs are. <laughs> well. Very interesting. There we go. Awesome. Tell us some positively different news this morning. No, only sad news. Oh. Only sad news. Well, to, I think my cannonball story is positively different, so maybe we can yeah. balance it out. We can. But only sad news to start off with because, unfortunately, the world's oldest person has passed away. Oh. Which is, which is a bummer. That is they, very sad. They lived a very full life. Um, but, yeah, uh, friendship. I'm going to pronounce this Francesca Sassano. She's from the Philippines. She died at the age of 124. And herself, she has 14 children, one of which is a centenary herself, like 101 years old. And still alive. And still alive. That is absolutely amazing. So she was like my age in World War II. Yeah. She was born in... No. Yeah. She was born in 1897. That is Wild. Yeah, yeah, she was my age in, in, in World War Two. That's right. And just kept living. I mean, she's in World War Two, and she was like, you know, I'm way too old to be in the military. <laughs> yeah, that's right. She was almost, she would have been too old to be in the military in the 
No, she would have been about the right age to be in the military in, the, in World War One. Oh, yeah, around well, if, if she that, could, she could be. She a, would have been like seventeen. Yeah, or she something. could be. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the right age. Yeah, for World War One. For World War One, she would have. She would have been a world. If she'd have been in World War One, she could be a, a World War One veteran. That's right. This wild. That's right. So eighteen ninety-seven. She was born. Eighteen ninety-seven. She's passed away. But the biggest point um, that I'd love to 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 kind of glean from this and to draw from this is that she described she 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 gave you know the reason for our longevity to two things. Yes. Her vegetarian diet. Yes. And her faith in God. Yes. So that's like so incredible. She is from the Philippines. She's actually a Seventh-day Adventist. She basically abstains from pretty much. She's eaten tiny bits because she lives in a third world country. She's, you know, eaten meat on occasion, but she, you know, doesn't eat pork. She doesn't drink alcohol. She just eats vegetables. She says her favorite foods are sweet potato, okra, pumpkin, eggplant, Oatmeal um, and boiled vegetable soup. Yeah, you can't. You can. You can live a long time on that kind of food, dude. And that's what she's done. She's absolutely can't go just wrong with that. Smashed every record and kept healthy. You know, all the way up until her death, because it's also her quality of life has been really high as well. Like it's not just that. You know, because she I, hasn't been bedridden for the last twenty, thirty years. That's right. Because there are people who like in in the really early sense who can end up bedridden in their late 60s, you know, and, and it happens, where she's just been powering through and she ascribes it all to her diet. Yes, and just looking at this right here, she's the last person to die who was born in the 1800s. Yeah. Nobody left in the world now who was born in the 1800s. That's right. All gone. Which is unfortunate. It's a bit sad. But look, at, like, I love... What a record, though. But she's... absolute record. She's the capstone. And I, I feel like that is just, like, the ultimate message of positivity. Like, like if anyone could have could have ended, you know, the, 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 the saga of people from the 1800s being alive, it's this woman because she's just an absolute gun. Yeah, I remember, you know, I'm old enough to remember um, back in the day, that, you know, going through the Hatch Match Dispatch and seeing people that were born in the, you know, in the 1800s who'd passed away. Mm. But this one is just, you know, now? I haven't seen one of those for decades. It's, it's 2021. <laughs> That's right, it's 2021. <laughs> And I think this September cool. 11. There you go. September 11, 1897 she was born. Dude, that is and it's so epic that she has a kid in her hundreds as well. Because you would expect like like in this case someone lives like super old to to a really really old age. It's like, oh, surely her kids would have probably passed away, but no, her kids are like killing it as yeah. well because they're all vegetarians. Magdalena celebrated her 101st birthday, her daughter, mm-hmm. this past May. That's right. <laughs> wow. How good. How good. And, they, and, and it says here that uh, while she has a vegetarian diet, the majority of her food, they grow themselves. And they're subsistence farmers. These guys are living the life, bro. That's, that really is the, that's the gold standard for health. Yeah. The gold standard for health is a vegetarian lifestyle where you grow your own food. You yeah. Know, free of uh, you know, most of the pesticides and uh-huh. all that kind of stuff. Just go out and weed it and grow it. So, yeah. you know, pretty spectacular stuff. And also here, you know, describe some of the things she enjoys doing, like like playing the harmonica and just hanging out and being epic. Like, I could imagine her sitting in the in, uh, up the front, you know, in the front pew of the church, just going hard, playing along. Like, it's so awesome. Dude. It's and so her favorite awesome. hymn is in the Sweet By and By. She loves, is- that, she loves that song. 
She loves the, the, the song in the sweet by and by. It's and a favourite hymn. I think if anyone could have a perspective where they are looking forward and seeing, you know, Jesus soon return and, you know, the way that the earth has moved and changed over the last however long and is very nearly awaiting the sweet by and by, it's this woman. Like, oh, what a gun. The, yeah. So we are we are happy. This is a life worth celebrating. You know, it's interesting too because here you've got somebody who has lived in a developing country mm-hmm. where you don't have oh, access so to true. the medical system that we have, mm. you know, in developed countries. Mm. She's done all of that without access to the medical systems that we have. Mm. So that makes it, you know, you know, because you get some very long-lived people in, you know, Japan and such that, you know, places like that from time to time, very, very advanced countries. Mm. But she's living in a developed country and, you know, apparently it took quite a number of days for the Guinness World Book of Records to actually, you know, track down the records and confirm her age because of the <laughs> fact of, you know, where she lives. Not as, not as readily available as elsewhere. But, you know, this is somebody who has, uh, you know, been through the Second World War when, of course, the Philippines was front and centre to the Second Mm. World War. This is somebody who um, has been through hardships when they've been through famine, when revolutionaries have gone through and burned their farms. Um, She's had to, you know, hide in the bush, you know, throughout the day and only farm at night, all this kind of stuff. She's been through some hard times. Yeah. You know, that's all of those kind of things are not conducive to a long life. Mm-hmm. Now this is a sensational story, and I think as well what it what it also confirms to me is that we see some pretty long lived people, yes. you know, during the Bible, at, yes. when we read the Bible, and it's like, oh man, how could that be true? Like they lived in a in a, in the ancient world, and and you know, without all of the technology that we have these days, and it's like, well, but, well this woman is living proof. Yes, like if you absolutely. live like by God's plan, you know. You have the potential to live that long, d- despite the conditions. You know, despite having the the health, you know, the technology and health equipment available to be able to, yeah, just keep living super long. That's amazing. It's it's kind of like you know, how do you um, how do you how do you even how do you even you know, if you're 125 years old, 124 was it 125, 127, 127 years old. How do you even how do you even remember stuff from way back in the day? Dude, that's so true. Man, I'm 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 losing my childhood memories, bro, and I'm still a child. Imagine <laughs> imagine if you were sort of sitting here like, yeah, well, you know, back in the day before the First World War happened and before aeroplanes were invented. <laughs> you know, because this is somebody who would yeah. have, would, would have been alive when the very first aeroplane flew in the Philippines. Yeah. And it would have been like a teenager. Uh-huh. At least. If not, in, if not in their twenties, when the first plane flew in their country, mm. this would have been a person who probably saw, possibly saw the first motor cars come, mm. and now she lives in the age of the, you know digital technology and self-driving cars, and private private investors going to space, going to the moon. Yeah, that's right. Maybe it was better for she her. She has to... seen a lot in her t- her lifetime. Maybe it was better for her to stay in the Philippines where it is a developing nation because I feel like maybe all the technology would have stressed her out. You know, <laughs> that's actually a really valid point. Yeah. I think you actually are totally on something right there. Although the Second World War and revolutionaries and famines, they'd be pretty stressful events. Yeah. But maybe in a different kind of way. I don't know. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. 
Okay, so I did say, promise that I'd talk about uh, cannonballs this morning. We're going to okay. talk about cannonballs. So, so the, oh, we're the, going to shoot things. The, the, that's right, absolutely. Um, so the, um, the standard, when, when we talk about uh, velocity, mm-hmm. uh, velocity for whatever reason, probably because you know, America has a major gun culture, I guess, is always spoken of in feet per second. Mm-hmm. Uh, even here in Australia, we talk about it in feet per second. Mm. So if you're going to talk about cannonball, cannonball, you know, typically run at about 2,200 feet per second. Mm-hmm. So this is going to hit pretty hard. That's a long way. Yeah, that's that's very fast. Um, it's going to have you know a trajectory that looks pretty much like a rainbow because of the weight of a cannibal, very very heavy. Mm. Um, but the travel and, and here's the challenge with uh, with velocity. Once you get above, uh, once you get up to around four and a half thousand feet per second, as the projectile passes through the air, it's the equivalent of trying to push that projectile through thick pea soup. Mm. And so, you know, you can take a, a, a 50 cal um, cartridge, neck it down to, you know, so that's, that's half an inch, neck it down to 0.17 of an inch mm. and push a tiny bullet out the end of it and you might get to, you know, 5,500 feet per second. So, yeah. you know, it just, goes up, it just goes up by massive, massive amounts uh, the faster you push it, the, the amount of the yeah. thickness of the air. Yeah, the basically. principle of marginal gains basically, yeah. like, yeah. Is that it gets as the J curve increases, it gets more difficult. Yeah. Okay, so this particular cannonball is traveling at seven hundred and eighty-seven thousand feet per second. Where and it is made out of solid iron. Who's shooting this? Okay, so this one is about two hundred and ninety trillion kilometers away. Oh. And it's the Iron Cannonball Planet called GJ367B. It has just been discovered. Uh, So that's about 30 light years away. So (laughs) travelling at the speed of light, it'll take you 30 years to get there. Um, And it is orbiting its sun, get this, every eight hours. Every eight hours, it's a new year. That's insane. I wonder whether you're standing on that planet where you'd get dizzy. It's like zoom, no, it'd just be zoom. I, no. What it would be is extreme gravity. I think at that point, right? Because okay. it's Maybe. orbiting so fast, and it's made out of solid iron because nothing else can exist um, that close to. Go. Well, it's, it's going fairly close to a sun, so it's pretty okay. hot. In fact, the surface of it. Let me see here. Is oh, on the surface on the sunny side because it has a sunny side and a frozen side. So on the sunny side, it's fifteen hundred degrees Celsius. Oh, that's pretty. Yeah, that's pretty. Uh, I wonder whether there's a zone, a habitable zone between the sunny side and the frozen side, where there's a point where you could, st- if you stood there, you wouldn't melt and you wouldn't freeze. I don't know. Mm. It has no atmosphere, so it would be kind of hard. So yeah, this is pretty sensational. Um, it's the sun that it orbits is about half the size of our sun, and it's about three quarters the size of our Earth. Mm. And of course, they were able to find this particular planet because they noticed a flash of light as it passed by its sun, and they're like, "What? What? Wait a minute! What was that?" And then somebody thought, "Well, maybe there's a planet there," but then they were like, "Well, planets can't move that fast," and then said, "Somebody said, well, why not?" What's what's stopping a planet moving yeah. at whatever speed a planet wants? It's not like it's been slowed down by air or atmosphere or anything. And so then they went to uh, the, the system that they usually use to be able to find planets, and that is to measure its wobble effect that it creates on its sun. Mm. So as it goes around, it wobbles the sun, which is how they find planets outside of our uh, solar system, which I think they call exoplanets. 
And they're like, yep, there's a planet there, and it is absolutely motoring. Mm-hmm. It's the fastest planet ever um, <laughs> ever discovered. And they've calculated the speed of it with precision of within 800 millimetres per second. Mm. So pretty sensational stuff. Now, we did also say that we would, um, you know, I, I, I love, you know, this kind of information because, you know, whenever you discover something in space, the biggest thing that reveals is how little we know mm. and how much there is to learn. Totally. And, dude, we've been talking about DART as well and how they're sending a rocket into space yes. to hit an asteroid. Yes. So that moves at 6.6 kilometres per second, which okay. is faster than a bullet. Very much faster than a bullet. I'm going to have to calculate that in feet per second so we can get uh, some comparison <laughs> on that. Uh, maybe you can convert that to feet yeah, per second for I will. me while I, I go into this next story here. But this one's about uh, Richard Dawkins. So Richard Dawkins, for those of you who may not know, and he's pretty famous, is a militant new atheist. So your new atheists are not just atheists, but they are people who believe that everybody needs to be an atheist. And if they're not an atheist, then uh, then religion is actually the problem in the world and that we should be you know strongly evangelizing for atheism. Whereas a lot of atheists in the past were like, yeah, I'm an atheist. I really don't care whether you have faith or not. Mm. Um, the new atheists are actually, no, religion is really, really bad and we mm. need to eradicate it. Um, he's a biologist. Uh, he wrote the book The God Delusion. But he's just gone on Twitter and urged his followers to sign the Declaration on Women's Sex-Based Rights. Okay. And I think this is actually a really good thing because the Declaration on Women's Sex-Based Rights basically uh, decries gender idolatry, puberty blockers for children, and gender reassignment surgery for children, uh, particularly because... Uh, of of the long-term damage it does to people who do not have the ability to be able to give consent. So, you know, if you're under the age of 18, you can't buy a rattle can of paint from Bunnings mm-hmm. because you are not old enough to be able to give consent that, you know, you're going to be responsible with that rattle can of paint. And so we we, we, we lock them behind, you know, red steel doors and you can't do that, but you can choose to have gender reassignment surgery mm. if you're like five years old and you think that you're, you know, something that you're not. Um, so he's like, no, this is ridiculous. This is not science. And, and by the way, you've got to bear in mind, this is somebody who supports the concept of eugenics. Yeah. You know, openly. Um, and supports the idea of, you know, euthanizing Down syndrome babies. Mm. In the womb, but euthanizing yes, them none, yeah. nonetheless. Yeah, you know, this is this is where this particular guy is coming from. But he's gone. Yeah, no, no, this is not science. It's a declaration in favor of consent, uh, um, in favor of consent, and points out that children aren't, are unable to give consent. It points out the undermining of women's rights that have been hard fought over for a long, for a very long time. So far, there's been about twenty six thousand people in one hundred fifty three different countries that have signed it, and. Uh, yeah, in this space, Dawkins has been quite controversial because back in April he made a statement that you know trans-identified people, there's no really that much difference between a trans-identified person and somebody like Rachel Dolezal. Now, Rachel Dolezal is a chapter leader for um, an NAACP, that's the National Association for the Advancement of Coloured People, that was formed in 1909, which is why it has that title mm-hmm. and still has it to this day. And she's white, but she's like, no, I identify as black, therefore I'm black. And oh. he was like, fine. You know, if you're going to have, 
you know, this is exactly the same as somebody who, you know, identifies as a different gender. Mm. You know, if, if, if what is in your mind is what is true, then you can't limit anybody. You know, if you can, if you, if you can make that something on gender, then you can make that for everybody. And of course, for that, um, the American Humanist, Humanist Association withdrew its 1996 Humanist of the Year award. They were rather upset about that. <laughs> but, you know, if you're going to take a scientific approach, which is what Dawkins claims that he tries to do, then you kind of got to agree with him on it. Mm. So, yeah, interesting stuff. Uh, finally, uh, American evangelicals' relationship to Jewish people. 51% of evangelical um, uh, Protestants in America believe that the Jews are still, to this day, God's chosen people. And so being God's chosen people is based on DNA rather than morality. That's a little bit scary. Um, this was an Infinity Concepts survey. They surveyed over a 1,000 evangelical Protestants. They found that uh, in the survey there was about 19% who were unsure whether they were still God's chosen people or not, 17% uh, who believed that they'd been replaced by the Christian church, 10% who said they were never chosen in the first place, and 2% who ticked the box that said other. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. And joining us on the phone this morning is Jared Stackelroth, the editor of Signs of the Times magazine, for our monthly update on what is happening in the world of Signs Mag. Jared, welcome to the show. Thanks a lot, Lyle. Now, what's happening? We're up to December already. Where did the Where did the year go? It is hard to believe. I don't know. <laughs> I don't have an answer to that question. The year has flown and, and the magazines have flown and, yeah, we're already up to the December issue. It's crazy. Okay. So what's happening in the December issue? We're going to, we're going to talk about Christmas in December? For sure. Why wouldn't we? Remembering, I guess, the, the birth of Jesus and, you know, many people would say, yeah, but Christmas or December 25 itself, it's not really the birthday of Jesus. No, but it is a good time to get together with family and friends, and and especially after the couple of years that we've experienced, you know, it's a really important time culturally for all of us, and and just give, gives us a break, gives us a chance to reset. So we do have some Christmas stuff, an article searching for the perfect Christmas gift, which I know a lot of people will be thinking about at the moment. <laughs> I need <laughs> to, to read get this those. article. I desperately need to read this article. I haven't done, <laughs> I haven't done any Christmas shopping. Have you done any Christmas shopping yet, Jared? My wife has made a start for us. <laughs> yes, I can I can concur. My wife has made a start for us. Yes. This is true. Um I think we I think we're probably typical guys who go Christmas shopping, you know, like, you know, ten to midnight on Christmas Eve kind of thing, like, oh, we need to get something, let's get it done. <laughs> a little bit last minute. Yeah, for sure. But you know, thankfully my wife's a little bit more organized than I am in that space. So she's She's helped me in that area, and and family and friends see that it's from both of us, so they'll never know the difference. <laughs> uh, indeed, indeed. Okay, so the perfect Christmas gift. What is at the end of the day? What is the perfect Christmas gift? Or should we just leave it like you need to read the article? You need to go there. What can you tell us about the article without telling too much? I think we should leave it a mystery. Okay. Um, no, we've got a young lady by the name of Kimberly McMurray. She, I guess, she looks at her own preparedness for Christmas and how organized or not she is. She seems to be someone who's super organized. So she's planning her gifts. She's looking 
in advance. But then I guess you reflect back on some of the best gifts to receive, the actual important things about the season, and ultimately comes to the conclusion that it is important um, to think about some of the good gifts that God has given us. I'll let you guys read the rest and, and find out what some of those gifts might be. But yeah, it is worth reflecting at this time of year what the most important things are. I think this is what's important about Christmas because it's so often, you know, it's it's Christmas has been overtaken by commercialism, which is, you know, pretty much to an obscene extent, which is really mm. sad. And But as Christians, we need to recognize, yeah, sure, Jesus wasn't born on December 25. We all get that. But we also get the fact that this is the time of year when we can share Jesus with people, which we wouldn't necessarily be able to at other times. And sometimes... It's appropriate to do that through a gift, and we can share a gift with somebody that they might not necessarily interact with, except for the fact that, hey, it's Christmas, and that's what we do at Christmas time is we talk about Jesus. Hmm. And I guess for me, looking back on the year that we've had, and, and I guess our headline um, story, our cover story for this month is 2022, Is It a New Dawn? Um, and I guess looking back at the last couple of years and, and the year end or Christmas time or, or, or New Year's is a time where we reflect. And I guess this whole magazine is a little bit about reflecting and, and thinking about, you know, some of the good things, some of the bad things. And is there hope? Can we find hope and encouragement in what, when we look ahead at our lives? And I guess for me, looking back on the last year or so, something that I'm really looking forward to um, for this Christmas is spending time with my family. Fingers crossed the border situation allows <laughs> a, a family reunion, and it's just something that um, I really feel is needed for, for me and my little family to go and see some of my relatives, my, my immediate family in Adelaide there. And um, I think a lot of people will be not only you know, not only do we have an opportunity to share Jesus and, and to love God in, in that space over Christmas, but to love others is part of that commission that we're given as, as Christians. And so for me, it's, it's being able to ex- express love for others by eating together, sharing stories of the year, reflecting back on where we've come and, and where we're going. And it's a hopeful and optimistic time to be able to perhaps rekindle some of those relationships that we haven't been able to because of the situation in the world at the moment. Yes, indeed. And, hey, you know, borders borders staying open, God willing, you know, it's one of the things that we're sort of planning to do as well. We've made plans to, uh, you know, for, for us and our family to go down to Tasmania. So you're heading across to South Australia. We're, we're hoping to get down to Tasmania. Yep. And, you know, just, yep. just chatting with my brother about it, it's like, well, we've made the decision to spend the money. We don't know whether we're going to be there yep. or not, but we have made the decision to spend the money. We've bought the airfares. <laughs> yeah. Let's see yep. what happens. That's, that's right. So, yeah, I guess Daniel um, Kubrick, our, our assistant editor, he's reflecting on some of the big events this year, um, the Olympics, um, the Paralympics, and some of the inspiration that we found there. Um, obviously, the lockdowns and the COVID sort of stuff and I guess looking at why we attribute so much significance to this, you know, the year is finishing. There's not really much difference between 
the last day of December and the first day of January, and yet it's a hugely significant turning point for us. And and why as humans do we do we take that time? And is it positive to reflect and reassess uh, where we're at in our lives and to set some of those resolutions and to think about the future at this time? Yeah, I think I, I agree. I think it's a it's a great opportunity that you know God has programmed more or less into the fact that our Earth has a year um, and it has a cycle that it gives us that time to that opportunity for some self reflection and to and to take stock and to remind ourselves of the blessings of God and to make plans for the future. If it was just always the same and there was nothing to ever differentiate, you know, one day from the next, then you know, we didn't have the times and the seasons and so forth, then uh, we wouldn't actually have that prompted opportunity to do so, would we? Mm. And, you know, studies have shown the importance of, I guess, having things to look forward to, having positive expectations of the future. Um, and I guess that's been the hard thing with some of these lockdowns. You have had to cancel plans and and not have that sense of anticipation of the next public event or the next family catch-up or the next whatever. You, you're not allowed to, or you are allowed to, but you, you feel um, there's no point perhaps planning something ahead of time, and it, it just really takes some of the anticipation and the, the hopefulness out of it. Mm. Okay, so we've got we've got an article that looks at Christmas. We've got an article that looks back on the uh, previous year and forward into the next year. What else are we talking about in signs this month? So one that I really liked, it's called Laugh Your Way to a Healthier You. <laughs> and uh, many of us may not have spent enough time laughing. And, and Christmas <laughs> cheer, as they say, is always a good time to get together with family and friends and tell stories and, and laugh. You know, in my experience, we've got um, a young toddler at home. So that affords lots of opportunities to laugh. But Bruce Manners has, has just taken a look at some of the science of laughing, I guess, and what actually happens in your body and your, your mind when you laugh and how important that can actually be um, for your own well-being. You know, science often focuses on health and well-being um, topics, and this is a really interesting one to me, the idea that um, laughter can even help your memory. It helps you to, to form memories and to to retain memories. So, yeah, it's a really important thing that we wouldn't necessarily think, hey, that's something I need to do to to be good and to be healthy and well in myself, um, to have a laugh. Yeah, I never knew that before. You know, we all we all enjoy a good, deep belly laugh, you know, and even t- sometimes those, uh, those laughs where your body aches and the tears pour down your face and you can barely breathe. It's just, you know, one of the most positive things ever. But I never knew... That actually helps your memory. That's that's fantastic. That's amazing. We need definitely need, need to uh, have more laughter in our life. Truly, the Bible is correct when it says laughter is the best medicine. Mm, for sure. So yeah, I encourage all of our listeners to to make some time to catch up with people and people that make them laugh. People that <laughs> they enjoy being around and have some fun over this season because yeah, there's there's definitely health benefits in laughing. Tell a few jokes along the line. Get some other people laughing. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter how lame they are, they will uh, <laughs> they will always elicit at least a giggle somewhere along the line. <laughs> Those corny Christmas 
Christmas cracker jokes. <laughs> oh, the best, the best. <laughs> tell a few dad jokes, tell a few Christmas cracker jokes. At least, at least you will get that groan. If nothing else, and I'm sure that groan has got something that, that that groan of like, oh no, did he really say that? I'm sure that that um, I'm sure that has a positive effect as well. Oh, for sure. I, I like to think so anyway, because that's what how most people respond to my jokes. Is <laughs> <laughs> the groan? Oh, another dad joke. I was like, well, hey, I'm, I'm a dad. I qualify. That's All right. right. What else we got in signs for this month? Yeah, so we've also got a. I guess we've been this year running through a bit of an apologetic series or a series asking the big questions of life. And the big question that we've got this month is who is Jesus? So examining from the point of view of his historicity, whether he was a real person who lived in the Middle East 2,000 years ago, um, and also just some of the other evidences or some of the other um, concepts that lead us to believe that he did exist, that he was who he said he was, and what some of the implications of that are for our lives today. Yeah, and, and it's interesting when you look into that because some people will immediately go to the historicity, and I love history myself. I'm a bit of an amateur historian. Yeah. And so mm. when it comes to, okay, did Jesus really exist or not, my natural inclination is to go to history, but from an apologetic perspective, I think the most powerful argument in favor of the historicity of Jesus is simply the principle of cause and effect. We have an effect. It's called Christianity. It's the world's greatest, you know, largest religion. There has to be a cause. At mm. some point, there has to be something that caused that to come into existence. You do not get an effect like that without there being not just a cause, but a very, very dramatic cause, particularly when you look at the very short lifespan attributed or extremely short ministry attributed to Jesus Christ. And you know, and then you bring the historicity into it, and the, and, and the history bears out the fact that, yes, Jesus was a real person. Yes, he was executed. Yes, he didn't live a long life. And yes, his ministry was unbelievably short. Mm. And one of the important, I guess, other factors that people don't necessarily factor in is some of the prophecy, some of the prediction or the the foreshadowing of Jesus' life and ministry that happens in the Old Testament, the first half of the Christian scriptures. And it's obviously it's a 1,200-word article, so we can't examine each and every one in detail, but there are some great examples that Daniel brings in his piece about linking events that we can attest happened in, in Jesus' life and the predictions that were made sometimes hundreds of years before from some of these ancient writings in the Old Testament. Yes, like 300 prophecies that were all fulfilled in the life of Jesus. Jared, before we finish off, how do we interact with Signs, Signs of the Times magazine? Well, if you'd like to visit signsofthetimes.org.au, you'll find all our articles there. You'll find the opportunity to subscribe to the magazine you can sign up to our e-newsletter. We've got podcasts as well. There's all sorts of things, goodies there to keep track of what Signs of the Times is doing. And I just want to say as well, Lyle, as our final sort of magazine for the year, thanks for having us on Faith FM this year. Now, praise God. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.